Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish his message from the book of Isaiah on comforting God's people. Today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. My heavenly Father, my precious Lord Jesus Christ, lost that person. I love him so much, I'm going to go after him. I'm going to bring him back to him because I want to see his face. When I come up and say, I got what you lost. I found what you lost. That, 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 that's what it is. So he says, and okay, now, he goes on and he says, all right, now, who, more about these people. He says, in, uh, he says, they are deaf. He says, what does it say in, in verse 8? He says, bring forth the blind people. They have eyes. How can they be blind and they have eyes? They bring forth the deaf people. They have ears. Well, how can they be deaf and have ears? God says, trust me. And, and he says, they're blind, but they can't see. But they have eyes. They have eyes, they can't see. They have ears, they can't see. This is a description if you look over another verse, it says in, in Isaiah 42, 7 through 8, he says the destiny or the job of the Lord Jesus Christ is to open the blind eyes, open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness of the prison house. And he said, I am the Lord, that's my name. That's what it says in Isaiah 42, 7 through 8. He says, I am the name, that's, I am the Lord, that's my name. In other words, he wrote down his mission statement and then he just signed his name at the bottom of it and he says, count me that way. That's what he meant when he said, I am the Lord, that's my name. Now, the blind. The blind are in a prison of darkness they can't see. The deaf are in a prison of silence they can't hear. But he says, he says, he says, I, that's what I want to do. I want to go and, and open the eyes of the blind, unstop the ears of the deaf, and lead them right out of those prisons. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, there's another place in Isaiah 41, 26. I'm going to read you this. He said, who hath declared from the beginning that we may know, and before time that we may say, who is, he is righteous, yea, there is none that searcheth the, yea. Now listen to this. There is none that declareth, yea, there is none that heareth your words. Why aren't, and we're going to get to a moment, moment, but why aren't the Jewish people doing the job that God created them to do to bring the knowledge of God to the world? That was God's purpose. Why aren't they doing that? Because they haven't heard, so they got nothing to say. That's what it means. Now, the issue is, who can declare God? Who can do it? So look at verse 9. He says, God says, God, God calls them all today. He says, let all the nations be gathered together. Everyone, okay, please come. He said, let the people be assembled. All the goyim, that's the Hebrew word for nations. Let's bring them all together, God says. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it's truth. Now here's a challenge to the nations of the world. And can the nations of the world declare God? Can, the, can, they, can, they, can they declare truth? Can they be his witnesses? No. So by contract, why? Because he didn't do and reveal all these things to them like he did to Israel. They weren't standing on the bank of the Red Sea when they saw the, the great love that God had in redeeming them. So now, by contrast with the nations, he then turns in verse 10 and he says to Israel, You are my witnesses. You, it's you, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after. God has called the Jewish people to be his witnesses, to serve him. That's what he's called them to do. Notice he says, whom I have chosen. It wasn't, our, it wasn't my choice. It wasn't, 
wasn't anybody's choice in here. It's what God, God has the prerogative. He can do what he wants, and this is what he chose to do. He says, I have chosen that, to, that, that I love the world, and I'm going to bring the message of God and the message of his salvation to all the world through these people, very strange people. And he says, that's what I want to do. Well, what was the program for the Jewish people? He said, number one in your training to do that, he says, you must know me. He says that, that's what he says. He says, that ye may know. He says, you must know me. No one can be saved unless they know who the Lord Jesus Christ is and know him personally as well. Have a relationship with him. John 17, 3, it says, and this is life eternal. Here's the equation. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And then it says, uh, <clears throat> why? Because when we go to promote the Lord Jesus Christ. We're like salesmen. I don't like the term, but, but anyways, it's true. We're like salesmen. You know the most effective salesman is the one who bought it also. You ask him, did you buy it? And so, yes, we bought it. Yes, we bought. We're in. We, we took the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and now we're going to bring him to you. And then he says, and believe. He says, believe him. Believe what? He says in verse 11, I, even I, Again, God's not stuttering here. He could have said I, but he said, no, I want you to really get that. I, even I. Who, who, who? A person. The Ben Elohim. The Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son. That's who's speaking. I, even I. We already heard this morning how they, term, they use the term Yeshu, which is a blasphemous acronym. It means may his name be blotted out and his memory gone. That's what it, it's an acronym. But he says, I, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Even I, even I, Yeshu, I, Yeshua. He says, and he am the Lord, and beside me there's no Savior. You know, he, this is equivalent to John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets to heaven, comes to the Father except by me. He says in, in Isaiah 44, in the next chapter, he says, fear ye not, Neither be afraid, have not I told thee from that time, and declared it. You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Can you picture that? God says, you know, he, he, God says, hold it a second. Jesus, don't go away. And he says, I'll check. Let me check. Yeah. And he comes back and says, nobody beside me. He says, I don't know of any. Maybe you know something. I don't know of any. It's comical. God says, why should you say it that way? You know, I don't know. That's what he does. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am he. There's no, you know what I say, oftentimes say to the Jewish people, there's no such thing as Christianity. There's no such thing as Judaism. You won't find those terms in the Bible, in the book of truth. There's no such thing. All there is in the world is truth and error. Just that simple. Truth and error. When he, he, when he says there's no other God beside me, his name just happens to be the Lord Jesus Christ. There, and, and it's not Christianity or Judaism. It's just truth. In verse 12, I have declared, I have preached. In other words, and saved. I have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Who's he talking about? You are my witnesses. Can you imagine the Jewish people going around the world saying, the Lord Jesus Christ is God Almighty, that's going to be a different day. And therefore, when it says in John 1.12, the verse we love to quote, as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And you sit there and you say, what does it mean to receive him? 
Well, it's the verse before that gives you the clue. When it says, when it's the greatest understatement of the Bible, and it says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's what it says. He came to the Jewish people, and what does it mean to not receive him? It means to, to crucify him. It means to say, it means to forever be saying that his name and be blotted out. That's what it means to not receive him. So what does it mean to receive him? The opposite. Just the opposite of what they did. He says, you are my witnesses that I am God. That's the message, that I am God, that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. Isaiah 40, verse 9 says, says um, it says, uh, lift up your voice, thou the biggest good tidings design, lift up your voice, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, yeah, what's the message? Behold your God. That's the message to the Jewish people. Behold your God. When the Jews for Jesus have campaigns all over Israel, they, that, you know what they call those campaigns? Behold your God campaign. That's their message. And they'll hold out a big banner that says, Yeshu equals Yeshua equals Yehoshua, and his salvation and salvation. Anyway, and, but their message is, he's God. That's an essential You know, when, when I was saved, I would say, I knew I was saved when I accepted and said that he is God. That's the hardest thing for a Jewish person to get over. Oh, Savior, Messiah, okay, fine. Dying on the cross for my sin, that's fine. Who was that? Dying on the cross for my sin. Your God. That's a point. You know, we, we have, um, he's, and he said, I have saved. And, and he, first of all, he, he preached. The Lord Jesus Christ preached. He says in Mark, Matthew 9, he says he went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every uh, disease among the people. He went about all the cities preaching, telling the message, how to get to heaven through his sacrifice. It's so vitally important. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, you will die in your sins if ye believe not, in John 8, 24, that I am, you shall die in your sins. If you don't believe that he is the I am of the burning bush, then he said, you'll die in your sins. It's just that important. It's just that important. Sometimes we make a big thing, and the sinner's prayer is a good thing, but sometimes now, you know, if you just stand here and just say these words after me, then you're going to go to heaven forever. Well, you know, we walk, meet a lot of Catholic people, and they're really into repeating things. And so, but God says, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him today, and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, God says, that, that does it. And so that's what the Lord says. Now, he says here in verse 13, he says, before the day was, I am he. There's none other that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who will let it be? And again, that goes back to the great creator. He's claiming to be the great creator and the one who said, I am that I am. You know, Moses had a real problem with credentials when he was the first time in, in Egypt they, because they challenged him. So well, who made you? Who are you uh, to be a judge over us? That's what they told Moses. They said, who made you to be a judge over us? So Moses had a lot of good time, 40 years, to sit there on the, on the hillside and says, it's all a matter of who you are <laughs> and what, you, what your credentials are. So when God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, go, then the first thing that came to Moses was, well, who, who, who are you? What's, what's your name? What's your credentials? And God said to him, I am that I am. Just tell him my name is I am. <laughs> so that's, the, I don't know what Moses was thinking there. He's probably going to say, let me rehearse it to myself so it comes off okay. I'm going to tell him I am. That would be a tough job. But anyway, but he said, Moses, I'll be with you. I'll be in you. My spirit will be in you. That's your guarantee for success. And so he says that. And then he says, and again in verse 14, he says, I'm your redeemer. 
to the people, children of Israel. I'm the Holy One of Israel. And he says, I'm going to redeem you from Babylon. I am the Lord, your Holy One, your King. Boy, where have we heard that before? Your King. How about a sign over a cross that said, this is the King of the Jews, that Pilate couldn't even, that, that they couldn't convince Pilate to change. He says, I am that person. I am your King, your Holy One of Israel. In other words, you'll have holiness and you'll have righteousness because I will give it to you. I will impart it to you. That's why I'm your Holy One of Israel, because you need holiness, he was saying. And I'm going to do it for you. This is our God. He's the Holy One out of Israel, and he's the Holy One in Israel. That's a wonderful thing. You know, think of, think of, um, of, uh, of Israel's condition. This was pretty pathetic when you think about their, their, their state here. I mean, this isn't any people. This is a Jewish people. They have proved God. They've seen him liberate them, God liberate them from out of Egypt, preserve them for 40 years, conquer their enemies, who they said they were grasshoppers in front of, live within them. I mean, what people, Moses says, what people of the earth is like this? This is such an unusual thing that God has done. They were an exalted people, an elevated people. And so here's this nation that had seen God done so much for them. How pitiful and sad to see them now in bondage, back in prison again. God says, I got you out. I paid your bail. I, 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 you're out. He says, but now they're back under the Babylonian captivity. What happened to Israel that that should be such a sad, sad scene under oppressors again? They backslid. They rebelled against God. And they, they have the judgment. Now, was that the end of Israel? Did God cast away his people whom he foreknew in Romans 11 question? No, no, it wasn't. Why? Because God loves to deliver. He loves to deliver. And so he says in verse 18, don't think about the things of the past. Remember, you're not the former things. He says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing, something wonderful, he says. It'll spring forth. That's spontaneity, and you'll not know it. He said, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, it's marvelous, rivers in the desert. I mean, the de if there's a river in the desert, that's something unusual, right? It, I mean, if it wasn't like they were in Maui, you know, where he said, you know, there's water everywhere. They said, well, so what? You can make a river in Maui? He says, no, I'm going to put you in a desert where there is no water. And when I come to the scene, you're going to look at a rock, and water doesn't normally come out of rocks, big boulders. But he said, I'm doing this, why? So that you know I did it. So you're not going to sit there and say... Wow, I wonder how much time, chance, and random processes it took for that river to come out of that rock. That's amazing. Let's call, the, let's call our scientists over here. We can probably have a conference. And so, not at all. He says, I'm going to put you in that desert, and you're going to get really, really thirsty. Just believe me. Of course, then they said, you know, other things. But, but so that he could show this to them. And then what, was their, what were they going to do? What were they supposed to do? Go to the world and tell. Our God made water come out of a rock. Our God made the Red Sea part. Our God wants to save your soul. He wants to be your God of salvation. That's the message. But he says, I'm going to do all this. He says, I give waters, verse 20, in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my people. You know what that says? That says God loves to take care of his people. He likes to take care of it. That's his purpose. He's a God who likes to do something new in our life, something spontaneous so that we don't have to be like that girl who killed herself when she was 18 years old. But he wants his people to honor him. He wants his people to honor him. Well, how do you honor God? Well, one way is speak. Speak when the opportunity comes. 
Say, the Lord Jesus Christ gave me, and I praise him for that. The Lord Jesus Christ saved me from this and that and the other. I remember when May Tense was here, and she had that bad accident. Do you remember that? On, on the 805, right over the, 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 the big bridge that went across Mission Valley. And, I mean, it was something. Everybody was worried the, the car was going to go over the side, and, and it was all crushed and everything. And the news people got out there before the, the claws of life went to work. And they clawed her out, and May Tense crawled her way out of there, out of that. And they had all the news cameras right there, and they're right in her face. And first word she says is she said, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of, that, that she's sitting there saying, boy, I'm sure I'm glad I said that. I'm sure I'm glad I honored God for saving me in that accident and spoke. Let the redeemed, re- redeemed of the Lord say so, he said, whom he hath redeemed with, with a strong hand. Well, this is, this, is, this is our God. He cares for us. He wants us to honor him. He wants us to, he, to acknowledge that he has formed us for himself, as he said, and he wants us to show forth his praise. That's what he wants. They shall show forth my praise, was his promise. He says, that's our job too, right? In, in 1 Peter uh, 2, 9, it says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation of peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's showing forth his praises, that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let your light so shine before men, he says in Matthew five sixteen, that they may see your good works and glorify or magnify or put the spotlight on your Father, which is in heaven. And twice in this chapter here, in, in, in the verse 10 and verse 12, he says, you are my witnesses. You are my witnesses. He's not stuttering again. He says, you are my witnesses. Speak. A witness speaks. What's a witness do? To be a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be very observant. We have to look. It didn't take much looking for May Tense to realize that she was still alive. But still, she was observant. We have to observe the hand of God, providing, giving, protecting, and to be grateful and thankful. That's very important, to be grateful and thankful. And then to speak, to speak up. God wants us to have an exciting life. He does. He wants us to have an exciting life. We didn't have time to go through the, the back part, but God said, you, you, you said, God said to Israel, you think I'm boring. He says, and coming to, to my house, you think that's just a duty that you have to do. And so, But he doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to have all of our life to be with God. Spontaneity with God. Why? Because the Spirit of God is inside of us. Creativity with God. Intercession with God. Declaring or preaching or speaking with God. Having significance in life with God. It's all with God. And He wants us. That's the life that wins. And so we can say, so we need to learn from Israel's past and God's new thing that He wants to do in our lives. And as we do that, then we need to also come to the point where we say, what, what, what the Lord is to us? What is he to us? Is he our redeemer? Do we see him as the one who chose us, the one who, who formed us for himself? He loves us. He cares for us. He loves, he loves to love us. He loves to care for us. And what are we to the Lord? What are we to the Lord? Are we the, uh, a faithful witness to him? That's the question. He says, you are my witnesses. Are we showing forth his praise? Are we keeping him always in our sight? 
so that he's always what our, what our mind is being entertained with, what our mind is interested in. And what we are thinking about and talking about is, are, is that to him. Because why? He paid such a great price for us. He paid a great price for us. Not the, the nation of Egypt for us, but he paid with even more valuable, his only begotten son. If he did that for us, then what should we do for him? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being who you are and for the privilege to be able to say, the Lord our God, the Lord our Redeemer, the Lord our Holy One, the Lord our Former. Thank you, Lord, for, being, for making yourself all of these things to us. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord, so that when, we're, when our job is done and we stand before you, that we will hear you say, you did a good job. You were faithful. You were a good servant. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us today and for listening to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, some people feel inadequate to reach out and comfort God's people. Maybe there's a believer listening today who just isn't sure how to comfort God's lost chosen people. What would you say to that person? Well, there's nothing better that I can say than what the Scriptures say and what God said. Because the the passage that we're talking about here in Isaiah chapter 40, it says a command to comfort the people of God, comfort them. And he calls them his very special people because it's very, very significant in the scripture when God calls the Jewish people, my people. And so really when you read that, comfort my people, you realize you have a great responsibility before God and he's going to be very, very concerned about how you do that because they're his people. And he explains how to do it in the next verse. And what he says, he says, speak ye comfortably to her, to Jerusalem. So what he's saying here is that it could even be said that more important than the actual words that you say to her that you, is how you say it. And he says, you speak it comfortably. In other words, what God is saying is what is your attitude? What is your heart like when you go talk to them? And they'll be looking at that too. Do you have a heart of love? Do you have a heart of concern? Do you have a heart of real care for them? Because if you do, then God's going to smile. And if you don't, they're going to know it too. So it's a case where you really see them for the situation that they're in. They're going right down the middle of the road to hell. They need comfort. And what is the words? It's, he said to them, he said in verse two of Isaiah 40, cry unto her. In other words, with a sense of urgency. And what you say is that your warfare is accomplished. Your iniquity is pardoned. All iniquity has been, has been dealt with at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's totally unnecessary to end up in hell. It's a catastrophe that doesn't have to be to end in hell. So this is what's meant when he says your warfare is accomplished and your iniquity is pardoned. And, it, and so what really God is looking for and what he'd be looking for us to do is how we bring that message to them. In other words, you, you go to them and you, and, in a cold, sterile way and you say, you know, the Bible says your warfare is accomplished, your iniquity is pardoned, so what's the problem here? That's not the right comfort attitude. But it's really one where you say, 
Your warfare is accomplished. Your iniquity is pardoned. You can come, come. And when people see that in you, when they see that attitude, that you really care, that you really are, are, are your heart is broken in love for them and you feel for them and you have the compassion, they see it, they sense it. God does too. And you can draw them in by the very way that you that by, that you speak when you really are saying, look, the warfare, it's accomplished. It's done. Let me take you to the cross and show you that all the warfare against you fell on the Messiah. It fell on the Lord Jesus Christ. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the end of the warfare for you. And when you explain that to them in a way of care and concern and compassion, in a comforting manner, God says, now you're talking to my people the way they should be talked to. Cry unto her. Her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. That's what God is looking for. Thank you for joining us today. Next week, Tom Cantor will continue with a new message from the Bible to help build our friendship with God. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. You can also contact us at 1-800-247-3051 or find us on Facebook or send an email to Tom Cantor to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again next week at the same time.